Question of the day. After all the madness of the first round, how's your bracket? Because mine is absolutely decimated, just in, in pieces. I'm not bad. I mean, I'm not good. I mean, just like everyone else, I'm probably not going to be that close since I picked Tampa to run through the whole thing like an idiot. But, um, you know, it. I have five teams still alive right now, so I think I'm doing pretty well, and so I'd call that lucky. I named my bracket bad, and I was accurate. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I have immunity since I won it last year. So. So what happened to your I bracket have... doesn't count. Exactly. <laughs> I think the only series I got right was Dallas, so... Probably not good. What a weird one to get right. (laughs) (laughs) I have three teams left. One of them is a cup final pick, and the others are all supposed to lose in this round. So, rip to my bracket. This has got to be one of the gutsiest clubs in the National Hockey League. It's a breakaway. McKinnon, pure guts. They got nothing but guts. Brandon right here with a terrific backhand pass. And look at the patient. My goodness. Guts all over the place. I can't believe it. And after 22 years. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Stefan. You're locked into Bernie Radio for, uh, we'll say, between games one and two of the second round in 2019. Coming up on the show, the Avs draw the Sharks after a truly wild first-round series for them and lose game one again. We'll talk about what the Avs need to do differently and honestly just kind of do a hindsight-rich post-game one series preview. But before we put the whoosh, say hi to Earl. Hi, Earl. Hello, friends. And say hi to Jackie. Hi, Jackie. Hello. And say hi to Ruto, who's back this week. I do exist. The San Jose Sharks and Vegas Golden Knights went the distance, as you all have to know by now. Vegas were up 3 to nothing, killed Joe Pavelski, and then blew that lead in the final 10 minutes to go on and lose in overtime. That was way back on Tuesday, and Game 1 was not until Friday, which gave San Jose two days of rest and extended Colorado to a full week of rust, because they won faster. That's kind of bogus. And there's not really anything that can be done about it. Teams have really bad records when they're coming off long rest periods. That's why we call it the D-Rust game. You have to shake the rust off. So the Avs head into San Jose where their last three wins were in 2016, 2010, and 2008. So that's encouraging. (laughs) Maybe not. (laughs) Uh, I, I think the weirdest thing about this game was the fact that they... I was expecting a bad first 10 minutes, maybe first bad... I don't know, period. Um, but to have it go reverse like that was really counterintuitive. I'd, I'd like to, to go ahead and, and just double back to what I just said. Those three are regular season wins. They did have a playoff win somewhere in there, although technically it was more like San Jose lost. Yes, because they didn't end up, they didn't actually score a goal in that game. No, that was the game where Dan Boyle scored in his own net. It was glorious, though. It sure was. After the Game 7 comeback, San Jose come into the series with hella momentum, but also poised for an emotional letdown. And that seemed to be kind of how the game started. Colorado came out and held the shot advantage pretty firmly. Kale McCarr creates the first goal of the series, which gave Bork scores, because, obviously, 
but San Jose do get one back with about five to play in the period. What's your take on the first? Because due to the universe and some cable failures, I missed out on it entirely. I feel like they started pretty good, especially considering what we just said, that they had a whole week off. I don't think they did the things that they do when they are wading into a game, as Bednar likes to say. I I think they came out and at least played their game. Obviously, scoring that early helps, too. That was probably a big factor. Yeah, uh... I unless your name is Sam Gerard, I don't think you can really say that they looked rusty at all. And again, confidence is is a big one there. I think the Avs were still confident from the Calgary game, but that goal early is what gets this team going most of the time. So it was good for them to get that and prove that they are at least for the length of a period can be the better team in this series. And then yeah, they killed a penalty right after that, too. They killed a... A really dumb penalty. <laughs> and the <laughs> only one! So th- yeah. that also gave them some momentum for the rest of the first period. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, if you, if you look at the, the game flow chart, I mean, you know, they had a really good start, ending up with Bork's goal. They took the dumb penalty, but because that's fun killed it off and then you know they really took control for you know pretty much until halfway through the game and so you're you know other than the goal they let up towards the end of the first um it was really looking good with 30 minutes and four seconds into the game yeah let's get all the way to that 30 minute mark colorado came out in the second with a ton of pressure Drew an early penalty and convert on the power play and miko ranson in with the shot pass off colin wilson's stick Martin Jones kind of throws himself out of the way like Neo dodging bullets, and not long after that, Comfort draws a double minor power play by getting cross-checked in the mouth. Oh no. Jackie, what happens when the Avs get long power plays? They waste all the time. Yep. Because they, <laughs> they think, boy, we have all the time in the world. We can be even more choosy. They relax, they take their time looking for the shot, and as a result, have had zero chances with about a minute left in the, in the power play. They finally did get a couple of okay looks, but that was a chance to not necessarily put the game out of reach, but give themselves some wiggle room in case disaster were to strike. And with all his teammates down around the goal trying to fetch a rebound, Eric Johnson were to, for example, just hypothetically shoot it off the four-checker's boot, point blank, instead of sending it down low along the boards. Which, again, hypothetically, would probably spring the Sharks on a two-on-one, where Sam Gerrard would take away neither shot nor pass, and the Sharks would tie the game back up. A minute nine after the power play expired. Oof. Yeah. That, I, you know, I, I, I've seen a lot of, I, I've seen a lot of people saying that the, the double minor really killed everything, but I, I think the, the moment that Eric Johnson decided to shoot that right into the dude's pads. That was the turning point in the game. Um, And that's tough to lay it all on him like that, but it just, you know, we've seen him do that so many times. Yeah. It wasn't just just that moment for him. If that was the only mistake he made, you could just say it happens. From that point on, bad things really started happening quickly. I also don't fault the power play entirely because they did get the one this does go back to where you, in the playoffs you need to use the power play to make a difference, but 
Can't complain too much because they had already got one that period. Yeah, they were one for three at that right. point, right? Exactly, yeah. and that's that's another reason why I don't put a lot of that on the double minor. I mean, again, yeah, it'd be really nice if they had made it 3-1 at that point. But, I mean, it, you're asking the power play to go two for three and, and right. that to be the difference in the game. And that's, <clears throat> that's really asking a lot, especially after you just scored. So San Jose's penalty kill is... is you know, they're probably going to be in a state of heightened awareness at that point. Um, and I think there's also something to be said for being a little bit cautious on a double minor because, um, you know, not only do you have the offensive advantage, you've got four minutes in front of you where if you're, you know, fairly cautious with the puck, nothing bad is going to happen. And so it, it's sort of a, a safe time. And I, I think that's kind of a bad way to think, but, you know, Eating up minutes when you have a 2-1 lead isn't a bad thing. Yeah, I can uh, see that. But you would like to see them have more of an attack mentality yeah. or try more things. It, we did at least get to see the new look power play, too, with Gerard and Makar together, which I think was promising. Makar had a really nice pass to Kerfoot that could have easily... I think that was their best chance through the whole power play. Agree, yeah. So... It, it was nice to see that. With four minutes, you would like to see them maybe mix things up, like when they brought the first unit back out, maybe do something a little different, but you could say, have they practiced that? You know, there's a lot of what-ifs there. It, we're definitely getting into hypothetical territory there, and I do agree they didn't lose it on not scoring on that power play. I think the issue isn't that the power play didn't score, it's the Avs' mentality. Yes, that's where I was going to go. Yeah, because, I mean, they were the better team for the first 30 minutes. I Yeah, it was only 2-1 because they gave up the one goal, but they looked better. And once they let their foot off the gas, all of a sudden, they kind of start getting down on themselves, I guess, or maybe they just lose their confidence and things like EJ firing the puck into skates start happening and it's it spirals very quickly for this team. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that San after Thornton's goal, the Sharks had, I think, 19 out of the next 20 shots on, at net. So, I mean, it, do you think that their mentality of being safe during that power play, you know, do you think that that basically followed into going on a run like that? I no, I, I think the goal is what set off the run, yeah, but think, the yeah. power play mentality allowed the shift in momentum to start. I think that's and fair. I, and I can't remember where was the Miko no goal. I can't remember if it that was, was in the first. Before. Yeah, that was okay. The first, yeah. It was one one at that point. Okay, and I don't think any of us disagree with the call. If, as the no, rule we definitely is, kicked it in. <laughs> <laughs> it was the right call. We could maybe argue and say that should be a goal, but no, that's like I the mean, most blatant. Kicking I think everything should ever... be a goal if it goes in the net. So <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it's you know, if you want to let a really loose definition of goal be what it is going forward, that's fine, but. I think yeah. there's a difference the between a forward. Now that's not a goal. I I believe there's a difference between a forward kick and a side kick. 
I totally yeah. agree that you shouldn't be able to forward kick a puck in, but the side. Yeah, I went, mean, he wasn't trying to kick it in. He was definitely trying to kick it to a yeah. stick, which which was otherwise occupied, so he couldn't touch it with a stick before it went in. Which, it's, yeah, I mean, I, you know, that's unfortunate, but I mean, it, it, you the, know, if, if that had happened to the Avs, there's no way I want that to, to count. No, I don't think any of us disagree with the fact that they didn't call that a goal. Yeah. Yeah, we, but maybe you disagree with the rule, but don't disagree with the call. It, exactly. Yeah, right. But for the most part, that was it. That was game over. Uh, Kevin LeBanc would dodge Amico Ranson and open ice check and look off three abs and put an absolute bullet next to Philip Krubauer's ear. Then Brent Burns would invoke the SAP Center Big Book of Magic Bullshit and take a shot that hit Kale McGar, bounced in front, and found its way in with a minute left in the second. Brutal. What What did that end up hitting on McCarr? Did that really hit off his face or his head or what? Nah, it's like his midsection. Okay. And I, never, it, I, I never it, saw a good replay. It hit off it, McCarr's midsection, went down under, through Grubauer, and then off of Ian Cole's skate and in. Yeah. SAP Center Magic Bullshit. Yes. Right. So maybe we got um, our quotient of that out of the way. I mean, you gotta yeah, hope so. But after that, Colorado were completely unable to break through the Sharks' mother defense. They only put together four, count them, I know you won't, four shots on goal in the third, trailing to the whole way. Timo Meyer makes it 5-2 into the empty net, and the Avs are down one to nothing in the series. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you guys on the third goal... The the Miko attempted hit on LeBanc that looked really weird to me. Like, what did you see happening there? I saw Miko see a hit and not really know how to lay it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like he was trying not to knee him or trying not to get himself yeah. kneed or something. I think that's part of what I saw too. It because it, it just. It looked like he was avoiding something. Like it, it looked like he almost bailed at the last second, and not bailing like Dougie Hamilton on Ovi or anything like that. But it looks like something told him not to do what he was trying to do, and that's why LeBanc got through like that. I mean, it what Miko did was super weird, but that wasn't really the problem with the play. Right. No, I just thought that was a weird part of it. It, yeah. it was weird because they were going exactly like east west like yeah you you wouldn't expect to see two players going at each other at at that angle yeah. i think that's also why so, it was odd right like what i think happened is miko was on the wrong side because there was another forward on that side he with wasn't him. above the puck like jared bednar likes the guy <laughs> to be. yeah but <laughs> so like he was gonna try and cut across to the other side of the ice anyway and LeBanc just, like, walked across the blue line and took a hard left, and they were just kind of coming at each other, so Miko was like, okay, yeah. I guess I'll try this. <laughs> I, I guess I'm Scott Stevens now? Oh, no, I'm not. Just kidding. Yeah. I just, I, you know, I, I, that was one of the last plays I saw, because, you know, I, I watched this out of order. Um, I, I watched the third first, then the first, second, and then the second last. Um, so, you know, it was late, and but it, that just seemed kind of odd to me, and I, I wasn't really shattered that or, or the Macar goal, or the the goal that bounced off of Macar. So you've got a whole, you know, half a team of Avalanche in the defensive zone, just kind of looking at LeBanc as he does this, and not a single one of them has the 
you know, the presence of mind to think, oh, there's nobody else in the zone with them. I should probably step up and try to do something. They just give them all the time and space in the world. And that makes it really hard for me to blame that goal on Grubauer, even though he saw it the whole way. Yeah, I yeah. mean, that was a great shot, too. Like, a little credit yep. to LeBanc there. That was a perfect shot. But it, it was a weird play. Um, I haven't done my video yet, so I'll, I'll probably get the players wrong. But I think it was McKinnon. Somehow, as a forward, ended up deeper in the zone than both of the, de both of the defenders. And Miko was doing that weird side cut thing so the abs didn't really have a high forward so gerard yeah. who was clearly rusty in this game kind of got caught in no man's land there yeah I, I kept wondering about that like i obviously I, I don't think he played that well i think he played actually pretty well in the third um or, or better than he had but he he definitely he definitely was very inconsistent for the first two periods. I think he was trying to preserve himself a little bit. Like, I think he wasn't going back for the retrievals as much as he usually would. Yeah. Yeah, he just, he just was not, not all that Sam-like. Hope he brings it back soon, because we kind of need him Sam-like. We sure do. So overall, what are your thoughts on what happened in game one? And then soon we're going to transition that into what the Avalanche need to do to get the series back on track and keep this from happening again. I I mean, the Avs for the first 30 minutes did exactly what they need to do. And then once the Sharks got momentum, they just started forechecking the Avs and the Avs forgot how to break out of their zone, basically. Yeah, I think you can feel good about this game in general, but that that ten minute stretch is a concern because that's like mid season abs, and we don't want things like that to come back. I mean, this is the exact I, same Sharks team that had a two and a half minute shift against this exact same abs team a couple months ago. So that yeah. that ten minute stretch of dominance isn't exactly unprecedented here, and that's it why I did not want the Sharks to win against Vegas. Yeah. Not that Vegas would have been a walk in the park either. I'm not saying the Avs would have come out and just blown the doors off of Vegas, but I think the problems the Sharks present have been underestimated by a lot of people. I the Avs need to realize that Brent Burns and Eric Carlson know what they're doing in the offensive zone. <laughs> like yeah. if you throw it up the boards, they're gonna be standing there pinching it off every single time. <laughs> they sure are. Yeah, my my biggest worry for this series was whether the Avs would be able to um, recapture the puck in the defensive zone and be able to break it out. <clears throat> and for the first half hour of the game, they, they seem to have a handle on that. Episode now, title, Burns <laughs> and Carlson pinch it off. <laughs> But, but for the first half of the game, they really seem to have a handle on that. Um, and th there is several factors involved with how it kind of degraded after that. I think the Sharks did adjust. Um, it might have taken... I, I think they probably started adjusting at first intermission, and it really didn't, you know, with the, the power plays and whatnot, it, it really didn't start to take an, until um, that long green flag stretch in the second half of the second period. Um, but the, the abs really started losing a lot of puck battles. And then 
JB started getting into security blanket lines with, you know, going back to the three-headed monster, which, you know, I I don't think that was the right way to go. Um, he's, it, he waited until the third period to put Cole and EJ together, and they were, you know, <laughs> they were a disaster. Um, but that did give us... Uh, Makar and Sam together which was promising and it'll be interesting to see whether that's something that they explore a little bit more as as the series progresses you'll want to hear a fun fact that kind of relates to this whole second period collapse give I want one guess from everybody what was the line that had the most time on ice at 5 on 5 for the abs in that line during line. the collapse, or just the, just during saying? the game, just during the game, which forward line had the most ice time at five on five? McKinnon, Landskog. That's two players. That's not a line. If you're picking on a, a pair of players, Prob then yes, it's those two. But it's... I think Kerfoot was with them more than he wasn't. Yeah, that's how I read it. Rudo. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd either go with that or whatever the Ranton and Soderberg. I don't even, they like switch the other guy like six times, so that's probably not even really a line, so. So if we want to cheat and say Landeskog, McKinnon, and Rantanen or Kerfoot, then they have the most time on ice, but the most common three-man forward unit, Dead 515 for the Avalanche, was Matt Nieto, JT Comfer, and Matt Calvert. That's well, then it's because they got stuck in their zone. They, they were yeah. by far the worst forward line. They San Jose matched them against the hurdle line, which was a complete disaster. Yes, it sure and, was. Nine minutes and 52 they, seconds for those guys. Um, the other avalanche lines had, you know, two-thirds the shots, two-thirds the shots, just under half, almost three-quarters, and then you now you're down to plus one, minus two, so who cares? That line was plus four minus thirteen for a rancid twenty three percent shot share. And I would guess Ian Cole was with them a lot because he was plus three minus fourteen. Um, and that, you know, that line was definitely a disaster. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, that, you know, we. I think in the third line they actually put Makar and Gerard with them, which then is a miracle that Gerard and Makar like, together came out even four plus four minus so the fact yeah. that they held it even with those that three, was later in the game yeah and of course san jose is not pushing as much at that point but that line right. was so bad early on and and obviously under it's understandable that san jose chose the matchup there but the abs can't throw that line out tomorrow and you definitely like, can't you keep throwing it out there for 10 minutes it yeah. was definitely overused, but unfortunately, I don't know how much choice the Avs have. This is just kind of a byproduct of their lack of a real second line, I think. They're well, I just going to struggle to match up. Like, there's, that I, I line think one has reason no business having more time well, on ice than the Carl line. The Carl plus, plus Wilson. Well, Carl's my line. rationale for it. I would rather see those guys buried if they're not giving up goals. Um, than have the hurdle line against McKinnon. Continue. Oh, but I'm that's saying, the I thing, think... they have more than one good line, though. 
Yeah, but I just I I think that's the best defensive line that San Jose has. Um, you know, I I, th- I think that Hurdle, Kane, and, and Radil, um, you know, that's who you don't want against McKinnon's line. You know, I I would rather take McKinnon versus um, Couture's line. But I mean, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Then because right. then you have Thornton and Sorensen smashing you. So. Yeah, yeah and, and I know. Thorn, it's going to be Thorn tough and actually got a bunch of shifts against the the Confer line as well. Right. Okay. So that that's what I'm saying is the Sharks' depth is exposing our lack of a real second line. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be tough either way, but you can't have a line that's out there getting 25% of the share. You you're yeah. going to have to do something different. And they they didn't play Soderberg a whole bunch. <laughs> he he only played 14 minutes. So that also impacts it if He's still ill or concussed or whatever his problem is. He was one of the ones I think that Benner was not happy with through the course of this game. And throw EJ on there too. He only played 16 minutes. Now, part of that was his skate issue when he left in the first period. But so we know that played... was a skate issue? Well, who knows? We, yeah. don't, we don't know it was a skate issue, but that okay, was a pretty good Okay, he wasn't benched. Guess. He wasn't bent. He, he did block he that shot off. It looked like it went off yeah. the back of his skate, and then that happened. So yeah, but he wasn't bench. They said that he left the bench. So right, you know, and that was like, midway through the first. But he only played three minutes in the third period, and yeah, that that's I mean, also he part was of... definitively the yeah. worst defenseman. So I don't know. I'd give that to Cole personally, yeah. but Cole yeah. is real close. Cole was uh, probably worse at clearing the puck, but EJ was yeah. bad, man. So, yeah, yeah I mean, they, Eric Johnson at even strength played 1440, and Ian Cole played 1430. So, I mean, this we we started the season looking at Eric Johnson as, you know, you want to have the Johnson-Gerrard number one pairing, but try to limit EJ's minutes the best you can. And now we've made it to mid-April, and or I guess it's late April now, and Johnson is playing 14 and a half minutes, not 25. I, I looked it up this morning without Gerrard in the playoffs in total ej's at 33 percent yeah and that's in a series that the abs dominated so well, yeah it's... after sam got hurt they used ej and cole as their shutdown pair so they're gonna be you know they're gonna be buried regardless because they're they're gonna be against you know they're, they're gonna be taking the hardest matchups and they probably won't get a good decent shot share but still, it, I, it's I, way I more than shot the, here. That's the problem. Yeah, there. right. What what I don't see is why that that change was made. Now, you know, I'm all for putting Sam with McCarr and, and exploring that. I Turn think that's burn. a good thing. Um, but the the side effect of that is putting EJ with Cole, and then what do you do with that pair? I mean, it's just you know that's the pair that gets buried. That's the pair that can't recapture the puck. That's the pair that can't clear it. I mean, so. You're you're taking a pair. You're taking two guys who are the worst at getting the puck out of the zone, which is, you know, fairly obviously by the third period that is the big problem. And well, you're right. You're trying worse. to get a goal. I see what you're saying. You're trying to get a goal, but you also can't just have a pair out there that's going to be a disaster. Right. Right. I, but the thing is, I think they'll go back to Sam and EJ. 
I'm but, sure they yeah. will. That's... After that game, you just can't do that. Looking at the games that both of them played, and hopefully Sam looks better this next game, it was just rust. But based on the way that game was played, you have to keep those two far away from each other until Sam's well, ready. I mean, no, okay, but I think that's Sam... the best option. I mean, Sam wasn't any good with Cole either, so it's just like, you know... If guys like he, Sam and McCarr can't help either EJ or Cole, then you know how do you deal with that? That's, well, that's Sam was better question. than both of those two. Like he wasn't the problem. If I, could I know say, that's what I'm saying. He can't help those guys. They're they're that lost. I but think he can when he's a hundred percent. Is what sure. I'm saying. Yeah, that's but he's where not right at. now. That's the hope. But at eighty percent, he's still better with EJ than Cole. Yeah, but no one's good with Cole. <laughs> the, and that—that's definitely a concern. Yeah, sure it is. Um, but I mean, and it's really Gerard tough. only had 19 seconds with Ian Cole, so it's weird that that even happened. But his easily it's, his it's best really... partner was was Makar. Yeah, and the tough thing is, and I know people have said, "Oh, it's crazy talk that you know you'd want." someone like Nemeth out there instead of Cole or EJ, but I mean, you know, I didn't see Nemeth having as much problems as I'm seeing with, with Ian Cole and, and EJ right now. Here we go. And I would never put Nemeth in instead of EJ. I mean, that's just, well, it's never going to happen. Like they're not even going right. to scratch Cole for Nemeth, but right. If... But it's, it's just, it's tough to see like, all right, you need a defensive defenseman and Nemeth's been good in that role. And these guys are not right now. So I I really don't know that they need a defensive defenseman if we're going to sure go with that. <laughs> like, what they need is to structure their breakout in a way that does not allow Burns and Carlson to pinch it off. Exactly. Yeah, and that's not all on the defenseman either um because it's I, not. I think I think as you know as the second period wore on in that long Sharks run and and you know we we got the the zero happening third period um, you know, it's like the forward support wasn't there. The puck battles, you know, they weren't going our way. <laughs> At one like point, I remember thinking it would be nice to win just one puck battle, just a single one. Yeah, or even get near enough to the puck to try and win a puck battle. It, you know, it, it was almost deceiving because the puck battles we did win, we would immediately turn around and shoot it to no one. Right. And the sharks would roll up and get the puck back. Yeah. Yeah, it was just chip reload, chip reload, chip, and it's just like it's not working. You can't do that. <laughs> you gotta exit with possession. Or and, yeah, and just then not going anywhere with the zone exits. There's a play in the third period that summed it up perfectly, where Sam collects the puck and goes in behind the Abs net and waits for like a good ten seconds. And this was with like five minutes left in the game, and they're down by yeah. two or three. Right. And he waits for ten seconds. It it zooms out. The abs zone is a wasteland of nothingness. All the forwards are standing at the sharks' blue line, and Sam just whips a puck down and ices it because that's all he can do from there. Yeah. <laughs> and I think there was another icing right after that too. I mean, it's just you're just looking at it like, you know, you you gonna keep doing this? Is is this your plan? Because it's <laughs> it's not gonna work. Help your friends. It's all it comes down to. Help your friends. I mean, the good thing about that is that, A, it's easy to point that out on film. And, B, they have plenty of film from the Calgary series to say, like, remember when you were doing this? That's what you had to do. 
And I got a whole day off today to do it. So, there's a lot of things in this game that I think apply to the rest of the, of the series in general. Um, San Jose's forward depth is honestly, honestly, obviously positioned to crush Colorado's. We also said that about Calgary, so I'm really interested to see what's different here. Um, defensively, I mean, obviously San Jose has got, you know, big name defenders who have, we've talked a lot on, on the internet in the last week about how they look broken down right now. They look like they can't skate backwards. They look like Nathan McKinnon should be able to just skate around them. And that didn't happen, but it still can. I mean, and, it did in the first half of the game, sort of. Sort of. <clears throat> and then you look yeah. in goal, and Martin Jones is a non-factor if you get four shots on goal in the third period. Yeah. That's... that's well, you had, Come on. I mean... I think Martin Jones was a non-factor anyway, but the Avs made him look pretty good in the first. Like, they had a good three, four chances where if they lift the puck over the pad, it's in the net. And they just buried it right into his pad, so... He had a semi-Grubauer in overtime for save in the first. It was maddening. Well, yeah, Soderberg had a breakaway. Soderberg had, had two had... breakaways. Yeah. yeah, he sure did. Well, I think there's a lot of factors here. Like, like you said, people just thought that we should be able to run over the old dudes, and maybe as the series wears on, because I do think the age, and they're not the fastest, they're not the most physical, but this is where that experience actually comes in. Like, Calgary is such a much less experienced team than San Jose. Plus, you have to look at the fact that they had in three straight elimination games. To even get to this point like that's huge for momentum i i don't know i think a really good comparison here is sam bennett right sam bennett murdered us in the calgary series he's the only one because he's big and thick and can get to the front of the net and the whole sharks game plan is get it to those star defensemen get it to the front of the net and have your big goal scorers do that even though pavelski was hurt they still have a bunch of players that do that and the abs all year long have struggled terribly with position and puck collection in front of their goalies yeah well, i also think the first goal like, like the other ones you could say were a bit weird a bit fluky they certainly were creating their own luck there. I'm not trying to take those goals away from the Sharks, but the one they should be the most concerned about is I'll, the first one. I'll take goal four away from them. It's <laughs> <laughs> losing the face-off, having it go to Burns, and him doing his thing. That's yeah. something that's going to hurt the Avs. I, you know, I'm not too worried about that. I have just accepted that that's part of this series that's going to happen, and the Avs are going to have to outscore that because I think I don't their defense isn't good enough to make up for that. They're just going to have to accept it. Yeah, and that did bounce off a couple of things. Um, how do how do you guys feel about Grubauer's performance? I you know. I, I think of the four goals he let in, maybe one he might like to have back, and I still don't think he's close to as good as he was coming down the stretch. And that's, you know, it's concerning on one level, but on the other, it's sort of like, you know, he's still got more in the tank, so he can get better from here, and hopefully he will. Well, I'm I'm not expecting God mode Grubauer to come back. I don't. I I would say the same thing as Joan, 
just like Jones. Uh, pretty much a non-factor here. Like, it, he wasn't on God mode, but he did enough for the Avs to win the game. Yeah, he didn't do anything outstanding. He also didn't let in any howlers. Like, you probably would like him to have the LeBanc shot, even though it was really perfect. It's still saveable. Yeah. Um, and maybe you'd like the uh, the puck that bounces in off of Makar. You'd like to see him track that better and not have it leak through him. But yeah, I, I think he doesn't match up with the Sharks' game plan very well because although his tracking has been much better, it's still one of the weaker parts for him. And again, that's what the Sharks thrive off of is points from the outside with a million bodies in front. So it, it that's going to be a battle for him all series. But I. Yeah, that game you certainly can't put on him. He played well enough. Yeah. No, d- definitely not. My question is, and it's just more of a hypothetical, not something that I think is really going to happen, but I think we need to have the conversation. What would it take to get Varley in the net? Oh, boy. <laughs> a lot. I can't. I don't know. I, I can't even imagine a situation where that would happen. I mean, I, I, short is of it more Gruby because of the future? Is it more because of the future or more because of the importance on winning this series? I, I don't think it's, I mean, it's all... a future-based decision at all. I mean, if you look at from March on, Grubauer was the best goal, the better goaltender by a lot, but it wasn't only because he was outstanding. It was also because Varlamov has had one good month since December, and it was February. Yeah, all roads lead to Grube on this one, I think. Right, and it's just... I... I mean, to, to have a guy like Varley come in, let you know, pretend that they get shelled next game, and, and Varley comes in for the third and looks fantastic or something like that. I just I can't see them going with with Varley, you know, starting game three. See, I think it's more future based. If it wasn't about basically giving the torch to Grubauer, I think if they get down in this series, and certainly it depends how they get down, but. I think you have to consider I just the don't. difference in momentum you could get from changing your goaltender if you need some sort of big change. I just I I don't think Bednar you can just hasn't lose made the that series decision though. Like all year the regular card. season, he hasn't made decisions based on the future. I don't see how why he would start doing that in the playoffs all of a oh, sudden. Oh, I I think they absolutely went to Grubauer partly because of the future. When they've, I, I don't, I don't think they'd made up their mind at all until Grubauer got hot. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't either. He I think they had given it to him before he fully got hot. Like he had the shutout, he had the wins against it was like Buffalo and New Jersey, which were good, but it wasn't like this is our man. And I think they gave him the reins, and then that's when he really took off. I, I don't think it I was he took think off. They and gave then him the reins until Varley shat the bed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was going to say, Varley had a lot to do with that because he was playing not so hot. But also, yeah. I mean, if you take that same point, think of the jump they could get by benching Broussard and putting Andrew Ghetto in. Hey, now there's a thought. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, there was a point in the last series when Colorado thought that was worth doing. What happened when, when they tried it last time? <laughs> I will say Broussard was not the issue. I, I liked the fourth line yesterday. Maybe it was just matchup based, or maybe it's because Joe's continues to look really good. Yep. Yeah, Joe's did look good, by the way. And then McCarr getting Bork a goal, of course, is just like. You're just laughing when to- that happens. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. You can't stop big game game board, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, as much as I don't think he brings anything, you, you're not going to scratch him after that game. Yeah, I mean, Broussard? Yeah, yeah, putting in Andrew Ghetto yeah. to play six minutes instead is a pretty negligible difference, right? But right. What do you guys think in... the chances are that Broussard takes Comfer's spot on that third line next game? They're going to have to do five. They should put Ghost there. I mean, put that out he's, there. he's had, what, six good, solid games. <laughs> if, if anyone should get elevated, it should be Jost, right? Oh, yeah. How old is he again? Oh, he's not 32, though. <laughs> I totally can see Bednar putting Broussard with Nieto and, and Calvert when the call there is to put Calvert with Joe's interest in playing Broussard last game. So <laughs> for me, pulling Broussard out is not about Broussard. It's about yeah. you know bringing in somebody who has the you know the ability to come in and and give your team that the energy, the pure shot. If you need to just like mix the lines up a little bit, you're not gonna shove Broussard up the lineup because like. Right. There's, there's nothing I, that he I really think Bednar pretty much is over him, if he ever even had any interest in him. Just kind of given him. It's a gift you didn't ask for. Yeah, but, four points in 20 games will do um, that. I don't think Bednar especially loves Sven either. I think he's certainly been the easiest to scratch. He sure doesn't. He so, said he liked him fine when in his press conference. Now I know well, he lies yeah. sometimes, but <laughs> he was just Coach trying to make lies in press conference. Breaking news. <laughs> I, I think if he know. could dress all these guys, he would. But I, I think it's, <laughs> pain. it's certainly pained him to scratch Nemeth, but it's and deservedly so because Nemeth had a really good first round. But I mean, it, it's not yeah. like Sven has done just a whole lot this season to demand Bednar's attention. Like this is. The dynamic the fourth line had in the last three games of the Flame series was, I, I like their dynamic. No, they did not score any points. But basically, all their shifts, they basically ended up in the offensive zone a lot. They didn't really get a scoring chance, but they got a face-off for you know the McKinnon line or whoever was coming out next, who, whoever was ready. And I think there's a lot to be said for that for your fourth line. If they can set up an offensive zone faceoff for your top six players, then you know that's their job. Well, they continued you know, to do that really last night too. Goals. Right. They, they, they were yeah. plus five, minus two, and yeah, they got the goal, but that's not really relevant to this. Like they they were playing on the right side of the ice most of the time, which I think you have to credit most of that to Tyson Jost. Yeah. I don't see I, I, how you I can give I just, I, Bork, Jost, Broussard more minutes, but I do see how you can give Bork, Jost, Andrew Ghetto more minutes. You see what I mean? I, 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 I don't see what he did last night. You know, how different is that from the five games he had against Calgary? I mean, I thought he played great that whole series, and yet, you know, here we are. He's still on, on the fourth line. So... You know, where, where you know what what trust issue does he need to overcome to make the jump up? You know, from eight minutes to ten minutes. He's got to be legal drinking age. <laughs> does he have to score a goal? I don't know. Maybe that's what they're waiting for. He doesn't no, score it, it, goals. No, I don't, I'm not sure he ever will score goals. But if you give him someone who can score goals, now he's got a chance. 
it's it, this isn't even a micro problem. This is something we've talked about all years. They really don't have a third, four, second, third, fourth line. It's all just kind of this grab bag of whatever. And they some basically parts of it have two sometimes. third lines and a fifth line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it works sometimes. The other lines don't work. They just shuffle it around, and that it is what it is. Yep, it's old problems. And this is where um, I think I and, and others were looking at San Jose and, and kind of saying, hey, this is a really winnable series, because we were watching playoffs abs, and something was different. They had a whole other energy. There's a whole other level to Nathan McKinnon, and that was trickling down to the rest of the roster. Kale McCarr had sparked all kinds of everything, and the team just looked 100% better than they ever looked in the regular season. And that's why I found Game 1 so discouraging, was because we get into the third period, and the same thing that always happens against San Jose happened against San Jose. I don't think the Avs are capable of coming from behind in a game against that team. Without- I'm kind of in the middle. I, I did not expect just what happened in Calgary to keep going. Because if they kept playing like that, they're just they're going to win the Cup. You know, it, it's not going to be that easy. Sure, but if you lose game 1-5-2, but, but you have 11 or 12 shots in the third and not fucking four, I'm feeling a lot better about that game. Yeah, it's the consistency, right? Like, you're not expecting 50 shots in a game like they got against Calgary, but in Calgary, it was a full 60 minutes of quality hockey. Yeah. And they it wasn't bad at all they, in game one. They had and that's, that's what that's what bothered me, was the fact that they played it, you know, they just they did, didn't play the rest of the game. Um, I think it was okay. I, I was not expecting them to win game one, and it... You look at it, this game went better than Calgary's game one did. And you're right about that. And that's I think that's something that a lot of people are missing is um, not only they didn't play that great, they couldn't score, but they ended up learning a lot from a I mean, theoretically, because you know, whatever they did learn, they they seemed to be able to present a different front uh, beginning with the next game. See, I don't agree. Um, because game one against Calgary, both teams played equally bleh. And the difference was Colorado couldn't beat Mike Smith. It, it was not the same kind of games against Calgary that we'd been seeing all season long where, you know, Colorado looks good for a little while and then Calgary just says, okay, this is over and crushes from there on. It was, you know, it was different. It was, Colorado was in that game the whole way. They just didn't get the result. Game one they're against San Jose, there reaches a point where Colorado's not in that game anymore. Yeah. I, I think consistency is a good point. Like, that's the frustrating part, is that sometimes it looks like they are a top team. And they can't do it all the time, and it's frustrating. People say, just play 60 minutes. Just do it all the time. Do what you did against Calgary. That's that the whole key. <laughs> that's the yeah. whole point. Is That is the steps that they're going to need to take, is to do that more often than not. Yeah. And that's where my discouragement from game one comes from, is just that I was really hoping that playoffs avalanche would find a way to defeat the San Jose neutral zone catastrophe. I mean, there's another NHL team on the other side of the ice. You can't just not fall behind in any of these next six potentially hockey games ever. 
So you're going to have to play from behind at some point, and I've n- in my entire time watching the Avalanche, I've never seen them look okay coming from behind against San Jose. And yeah. that might be the ultimate downfall for them in this series. I want to see how they handle a win, or at least, please, let's hope they have a win. I would can like- they get momentum off of that like they did against Calgary? I think that was the big part of why they were able to steamroll Calgary is because they used that momentum and completely neutralized what what pushback Calgary could add on them. Yeah, I, I would like to see how they evolve in this series. It, You know, we saw them evolve against Calgary, but we weren't really sure how much of that was Calgary just letting them do things. Right, because and... they didn't. They never lost again, right? They just won every game. Well, and, and Calgary just well, kind I mean, of, of those were overtime, rolled over so. and, and died in a lot of ways, though. Like, yeah, yes, yeah. those games went <laughs> yeah. to overtime, but the Avs were just burying them. And Yeah, in games three and five, Calgary were never in them at all. And then no. game two, even though it was closer than it than you know the than it would seem, Colorado crushed that game, and Mike Smith had the Mark Andre Fleury rabbit's foot. So yeah, and and so I don't think the Sharks are going to be quite that easy, but that doesn't mean the Abs can't adapt, and you know maybe they don't adapt fully and can't get the job done, but I want to see them adapt some and improve. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think a lot of this is going to come from how the defense plays is, is you know, I, I think the the Calgary s- series was very forward-oriented. Um, not to say that, you know, that the defense wasn't involved a lot with that series, but, you know, the, the forward support was really what defeated um, Calgary's huge presence in the neutral zone. <clears throat> you know, and I, I think that's going to be important in this game, but... I, I think the the way that the Avs start dealing with puck recapture and zone exits is going to determine, you know, whether they get blown out or whether they win a couple games or maybe even win the series. And yeah, you know, that's integrating with that. Sam with with you know or getting Sam back into form. It's seeing what Makar can really do because I, I mean I think you know we all know he's very good, but we don't really know what he's capable of. You, it's just a few games into his career, so um, I don't definitely know. It's been a pretty good few games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I, it's just you know we we haven't seen him situationally in, in you know enough to say you know like oh remember this time he did this so we can kind of count on that. Yeah, we've, we've seen him <clears> play against Calgary, who gave him all the time and space he needed, and San Jose's forecheck pressure doesn't let you have that. So so it's a Kale yeah. McCarr is getting a real good test right now. Exactly, and he's he's going to learn from that very quickly, as we saw what he did against Calgary. And it's you know if he's able to process and uh, you know take what they're throwing at him and find a counter to it, I you know I, I think he has some capability of of really having a big influence on the rest of the series. But it's still you know, pretty crazy to think that in his four games he has three even strength primary points in the playoffs. That's madness. <laughs> He's real good. And two of those points are game-winning points. He's clutch, too. Let that, let's get that narrative started right now. Clutch Makar. He's got clutch 60 out the wazoo. Clutching Mikhail. So I definitely wanted to, to spend a lot of time on, on the show talking about how 
Colorado lost that game and what they need to do in games 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 to not have that same just crushing defeat happen again. And I, th- I think we just hit that pretty well in that last segment. It's, just, yeah. it's about finding a way to get through that San Jose forecheck pressure that they've never really been able to get through or just run away with it from the start. Yeah, successful defense is not about how you play without the puck. It's how you hold on to the puck. Yeah, they're. I I think they you know they they have the tools to be successful in this series. It's it's a question of you know whether San Jose is going to be prepared for the adjustments that they end up making. Well, what adjustments might they end up making, Rudo? Well. This uh, this is another Jared Bednar presser, so it could be a lie, but it sounds like there's a decent chance they could go with 7D in Game 2. So which is more impactful, Broussard versus Andrew Ghetto versus Bork, or just only having one of those players instead of two and then adding Patrick Nemeth? Uh, uh, I, don't, I, I think they've pretty boxed into a corner to begin with. I mean, we, we talked about this all week leading up to the game. I it's, yeah. it, A lot of I, people don't like the 7D the because especially with Nemeth, you're not going to give him the Graves treatment and play him seven minutes. Like, they're going to play Nemeth probably at least 12 to 15, which is fine, and I like the pairing of him with Makar does that make Cole then the float? It's just... It, it's tough as combobulated pairs. Plus, who are you going to take out on the forward Hard. side? Easy Broussard. Easy Broussard. I mean, if, if it's Bork, <laughs> it's Bork, but I think it's easily Broussard. Yeah. I'm not sure... Bork's I a goal scorer. They have... It's big game Gabe. Big game Gabe. The stones to say that he's not playing. I mean, Broussard was sick with air quotes for like half right. of the Calgary series, I think they could find a way to sit him. Yeah, I, mean, I remember Broussard Joe Micheletti saying something days. like he had the flu for a month or something like that, and I was like, <laughs> is that what they told you? That's crazy talk. Um, well, right, if they needed to... Uh, to, I, I don't think it was completely fake he was sick, but they certainly extended it. sickness, maybe. <laughs> they they <laughs> sure they, didn't bring him back in a hurry. If they were willing to just straight up scratch him, then why the bullshit, right? Just scratch because him. Because the abs always bullshit. Have, have the stones that Respect every other team for an older does, player. That they will that they will scratch a veteran. Like James Neal got scratched. I guess apparently Dezingle's going to get scratched for Columbus tonight. Will the abs actually have the balls to say we're scratching a veteran like that? Someone they went out and and got for the push, the, the guy that has the most playoff experience on the roster, or did they have the, the stone to straight up say they're scratching this guy? And I don't believe it. But some, if you're going to play 7D, something has to give. Hot take? So. Play Graves. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd like... Hotter take. Play just... Graves and... Never. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously it's never going to happen, but we're talking about how the Avs problem here is breakouts, right? And if you want to play 7D, Graves has a better breakout than Nemeth. Do you also I, think I they mean, have con- What concern? if Makar's telling 
Nemeth where to where to shoot the puck out to the, <laughs> to the forwards. Seriously, but he Nemeth played it. his best hockey of the season that last season, both with and without Kale McCarr. I really feel like Colorado's best like talent roster right now is the seven D. I agree. Do you think actually. it's part of that they're worried about EJ because if if something happened on that block that wasn't just equipment related, or if they really are down on his ability for whatever reason why he played so little yesterday is this more because of ej because i think when he went out and he wasn't in the rotation you could almost feel like holy shit we cannot play this game with these defensemen for the rest of the game well here's a here's a question pretend that they had gone with 11 forwards and seven defensemen last night and you know, it had basically played out the, the same way through two periods. Do you think we would have seen, rather than sort of EJ and Cole get put back together and EJ not playing much, do you think that Nemeth would have become a, a bigger factor and, and perhaps he went with Sam? Or no, I Sam? think they would have put Sam and Cole together and they would have put Nemeth Holy. with Makar. I mean, I think they would put Nemeth and Makar together, but I think having... Nemeth as an option in the lineup, they would have backed off of Cole a lot quicker in the game. I don't think you yeah. play Nemeth in that third period more than you have to, like absolutely have to, just because he's not going to help your team come back from two goals. That's not what he does. Right. right. I agree with that. Where where they play Nemeth is once they start falling apart in the second period. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, honestly, I, I'm not sure he, I mean, I, I don't know how you could have been worse than Cole as far as shot share. Yeah, um, but it could be on for zero for. You know, it's I mean, you know, Cole played 14 and a half minutes and had three, was on ice for three shot attempts. I mean, it's just like. <laughs> and, and two of them were the car. And, <laughs> right. I, I do think Nemeth as the seventh D is probably the Avs best roster, but. I can't stop the voice in the back of my head going Burns and Carlson are never going to let Patrick Nemeth clear the puck in his life. Well, that's why, ever. That's why I, you, I mean, you play ever. Nemeth with somebody who he can give the puck to and then they can clear it. Or, better yet, your forwards don't go play in the offensive zone before the puck comes out of the defensive zone. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, I... There's an idea. Yeah, I mean, I really think they're going to get an earful about forward support. Um, they need to, because otherwise they're going to get fucking swept. Yeah, and but I mean, a lot of times we say like, oh, you know, look at the forwards are flying the zone again. And it's like, part of that is the defense dawdling, and you can't have that either. You know, it's like I... when the defense dawdles, that allows the forwards to get, you know, 150 feet away. But they I always mean, do that. They always retreat and regroup. They, it, yeah, it's very easy for the do. forwards to circle back with them. I mean, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it, it takes cannot, the realization: hey, I'm at the other blue line, and you know, Sam's got the puck behind the net. What should I do? I guess I should go help him. It cannot not be the plan to retreat. It happens so much. <laughs> but I mean, here's the thing: if if you want to have a stretch pass option, then by all means, send Nathan McKinnon to you know the other side of the of center ice. But I think not four. The last guy would send, but... Yeah. but not four guys. Send one. Right. You send your F one, yeah. and you have McKinnon circle back as an option to a forward that can skate the puck from the defensive zone himself. Right. Yeah. Or it's like they, the guys that I want to hit with a stretch pass. 
are like Calvert and Comfer. And yes, I know they, you know, like Comfer will probably score, but Calvert definitely won't. But it's like, you know, that's that's the speed aspect that they can use that would be helpful on a stretch pass. I, I'm not like the stretch pass, the way the abs have it set up, speed doesn't matter. Like they're just trying to sneak one through and most of the forwards on the team, except for maybe like Broussard are fast enough that if they're in behind the D, they'll keep the breakaway. If, but even if they don't get a breakaway, they use that stretch pass to create some chaos in the defense. Like they, they maybe they hit Miko, who's just outside the blue line, and then yeah, he sure. hits the streaking McKinnon. Like the the right. pull up play, yeah, yeah, and and because now that's gone against the grain of where the defense are reacting. All of a sudden, McKinnon has cut through a defender who's off his balance, and he takes a shot a foot and a half wide. But we don't worry about that part. <laughs> Just some adjustments that can be made and this like by no means is this series over it's just they've they've not at all this time to make some adjustments and we did have been asking for them for a really long time yep well it's certainly going to be different because from this point forward in the last series they won every game so if they don't do that then it is saying they're not gonna again they hey they could abs and five you heard it here first <laughs> they could but if they don't it's already going to be different and it's going to be something they're going to have to overcome and learn from coming up this week game two is on sunday that's either today or tomorrow depending on how fast you stick our nonsense in your ear holes 5 30 mountain the start for that one then we bring it back to colorado for game three on tuesday and game four on thursday both of those are eight o'clock mountain all those games will be on NBC Sportsnet. No OG NBC games for this series as of right now. And all feature Pierre Maguire because the Avs can have no nice things. Finally, yeah, assuming the Avs don't get swept, Game 5 will be on Saturday in San Jose at a time. Which leaves our next episode for Sunday of next week back on the schedule I like. Thanks, scheduler. We were all pretty much in agreement last week that Colorado weren't likely to get through the buzzsaw in Vegas, but if San Jose could bring it back, they had a much better chance. Maybe you didn't agree with all of those words, but that was the general feeling. How are you feeling about the series now? I'm still fine with it. Um, you know, I, I think it all depends on how how Jared Bednar and the staff can take what they learned from this game put a positive spin on it and implement some changes that you know will, will make it more likely that the team we saw in the first 30 minutes will be out there for for more like 40 or better yet 60 it, it is tough cuz i think we'll know a lot more after game 2 I mean, we'll obviously know a lot more after every game but i think like you said can they make changes can how how can they come back in game 2 even though I think it's going to be a lot more difficult than Game 2 was in the Calgary series. So It, 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 it took a Mac miracle in overtime to win that game. I mean, I, you know, I, I think the Avs played really well in that game, and they, they had the shot share big time. <clears throat> but that, you know, that game was very much in doubt. It, so. it took a Mac miracle, but it also took a Mike Smith miracle to even be in overtime. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't on for the, the last show, obviously, but at the time I thought it would be Sharks and Six, and this game kind of reaffirmed that to me. Um, so I guess I'll be the negative Nathan on that one. 
Well, but, I, I didn't pick them to beat the Sharks either, I, so... Yeah, I knew that you would disagree with all of those words that I said that you yeah. didn't agree with any of. <laughs> yeah, um, I, but... I felt like it would be fast either way. If the Avs just were able to keep rolling, I, they could take a quick... But if the Sharks played like the Sharks, there's a pretty decent chance they can take it quick, I too. I don't think that after Game 1, honestly. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually pretty positive about the Pepsi Center. Because when we get the matchups we want, we're not going to get blasted by their depth lines nearly as badly. And I think that's going to go a long way. And, and I would say, I do actually feel a little bit more positive and encouraged after game one. I think they did good things in that game in a place and against a team that they can easily get dominated against. And... I think they can do some of those things and carry forward and at least make it a longer series. So I agree. I'm not saying I think the Avs are going to lose in five. Like, like maybe what I would have said last week. But yeah, I, I can't see them winning this series either. There's there's going to have to be quite a few miracles, I think, unfortunately. I know. We're all going to cup. We're all the big negatives here. Just keeping it real. I can see Miracles the Avs winning in seven, um, because they're not going to win a game at the SAP Center until they have to. Colorado have done so a really good job this season of putting themselves in a situation where they have to do something they haven't done before and then go do it. So, I think they can win there, but right, will it come down to it being like game five that they have to do it? Yeah, I can see this being a series where no home team loses until game seven, but I could all just as easily see Colorado dipping out of this one in, in five or six after that game one. So, but if they can get it to seven games, that's, you definitely want a winner take all one game. So longer it gets in a way does favor the Avs. Sharks are known chokers when they don't get fake penalties, so. Hey, that's <laughs> well, right. Well, I mean, they did win elimination games five, six, and seven in their last series, so... Um, they've used up their luck. <laughs> I don't know. I'm still, I, I'm still pretty optimistic. I, I think they'll win this series. I said that Game 7 comeback for them is like the type of thing that spurs a Stanley Cup win. So <laughs> well, I'm sticking with Sharks. With I don't think San Jose get through St. Louis if St. Louis advance. Um but if San Jose do win in the cup, we will absolutely look at Game 7 versus Vegas as their destiny game. I don't so far. I don't think there's like any question <laughs> about that. So overall, sounds like our opinion of this series is a little darker than it was last week. Maybe not significantly, but a little darker. Mine isn't, but I'm the optimist in the crowd. Sure. I do just want to say, I'm sure you guys already talked about them on the last couple episodes that I wasn't on, but every single time I see Kale McCarr with the puck is just amazing. <laughs> Isn't it? I saw him get buried a couple of times last night, like where he just didn't have any time or space to do anything, but he still at least got rid of the puck first. So, like, I, he's someone said he's having an absolute welcome to the NHL moment during that game, and I think that just absolutely nailed it. Um, and he was, I thought like, he, he was decent. Yeah. Pretty decent. I didn't think he was bad by any means. He he definitely held up to the pressure, so that's encouraging. And as he kind of adjusts to having no time and space at all, it'll be it'll be fun to see what he does next. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that's very fun to watch about Makar is the fact that when he does make an errant play, you can tell he's learning something from it. And that's, you know, I mean, I'm not taking away from the rest of the team or anything like that, but it's just he's a very smart player and very in tune with what's going on in the ice. Yeah, his, his like, biggest mistake last night wasn't a bad decision. It was that he made a pass and just kind of like duffed off the heel of the stick. Yeah. Yeah, and then he still did super fun things like that zone entry he had when he was paired with Sam. That that was fun. He almost took it to the net there. Yeah, he had like three ridiculous seam passes that Kerfoot should have finished at least one of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the pass in, on the power play, that should have been a goal. That was a great pass. The, his pass from the low boards that went like across the top of the crease yeah, to Kerfoot. And it was like, yeah. how did you even see that? And, and I think Kerfoot was thinking the same thing as the puck went through him. <laughs> yeah. He was just like, Jesus, here's the puck. I can't believe be the puck's actually here. <laughs> the, that's something that they're going to have to get used to is they're, the forwards are going to have to get ready for that stuff because it see, still seemed like half the time they're surprised when Sam would do something crazy and get the puck to them. They really are going to have to be expecting it now. You know, it's funny yeah, I mean, that I... we're mentioning this specifically with Kerfoot, because if y'all remember the uh, the Prospect Showcase last year, Alex Kerfoot was doing things in that game that no one else was ready for. Yeah. And I think he has good chemistry with Gerard, so he probably will get on the same wavelength with Makar pretty quickly. Yeah, he's a, he's a really just, smart player. He's just not always the guy you want finishing the chance. Yeah, really true. Um, and I'll throw Miko into that same conversation, just because there are a lot of passes that Miko makes that you can tell the guy was like, wow! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Col Colin Wilson figured it out that you just put your stick on the ice. Miko yep. will take care of it. I'm still trying to figure out what Martin Jones thought was happening on that play. Because it, yeah, it was like he was going to was. cover at the far post. <laughs> <laughs> like, who's at the far post? <laughs> A weird reaction. Yes, more, more games for Makar is the joy for all of us. That's for yeah, sure. I mean, I, it's, just, it's, it's great to see him progressing every game. You know, it's like he really does come up with new and different skills and um, you know vision like we knew he'd go be good and you could see the talent but he's like NHL good like already um, NHL good like we were like he's gonna come in and have a little bit of struggles and have to adjust and and everything isn't perfect but this is still I think better than better learning curve than we were expecting yeah Yep. Yeah, I was I was pretty optimistic, but yeah, this has even exceeded my expectations. It was it yeah, was I mean, a not... month of everyone being like, "This dude is really good," but you know, <laughs> temper your expectations, give him some time to learn the NHL. But he's gonna be really good, and here he is, just like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, that, <laughs> this is fine too. Back, now you look back and think there's even a thought they might not play him. It just sounds crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's just it's it's really nice to see. I mean, when Coach Bednar talks about him, you just you look at him and he's just smiling inside. <laughs> <laughs> well, McKinnon too, in his first like after that game three against Calgary, his post game 
with uh with the with the media was hilarious. He just like yeah goes off on how impressed he was, and that's like McKinnon doesn't do that about anybody. Yeah, McKinnon is the best player on the ice at all times, without question, in his head, which is usually true. Yeah. <laughs> it generally is. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna need some more of that to go somewhere in this series. <laughs> Yeah, that's just probably true. Game two is absolutely must win. Colorado really need to split the series to have a chance to win it, I think. Um, unless they do push it all the way to seven, but even then, I think San Jose is at a point mentally where they're not losing game seven. I'm not at must win quite Yeah, I'm not for either. game two, but if they don't win game two, they have to win three and four. Yeah. So, I, I think they're capable of doing that and still losing wait, the series. Yeah. I mean, we all know Pierre's a big idiot and everything, but he he says every single game you're not in trouble <laughs> until you lose one at home, and you know I I do think that's correct. Well, he also says it's not the wand, it's the wizard. So, <laughs> <laughs> I know but, he says a lot of dumb stuff, but that does you know. But yeah, winning games seem two to changes true. things a lot, but they're not they're not really toast until. Until they can't win at home. Yeah, if, it's if, true. If they go down two nothing, I I'm really pessimistic about their chances. But I think that's yeah, it's not great. I like I said, I still think I can see a, a world where they don't win a game on the road until game seven and and take the series. But that's just that's a possibility that I don't think is super likely because San Jose's got this destiny mentality now after that series. I mean, well, I mean, what if they win? Tomorrow and then split in Colorado. I mean, it's the same. Really yeah. Different? yeah, I, I think mean, that's like different. You're, you're still where you are after four games. I think that's different. I think the I think the series feels more even if you do it that way than if you go two zero to two two. Because at that it point, is, you're still you, going you, into the no home that you ice haven't won it. As far, yeah, it, it'd be nice to slay the dragon and win in San Jose, but being able to dominate at home. There's something to be said about that too. Being yeah. able to say, you know, we can win at home. You have to feel like you're more tired if you go down two and then battle back, right? Because that makes both home games just absolute desperation mode. But then you're also in the momentum, right? So that is that is another thing to think about. If you go down two, but then you win the next two, that kind of does feel better than you're going to feel great if you win game two, but then if you drop one at home, you're it kind of takes away from that as well. You're going to have tons uh, of momentum regardless of when you win two games in a row. That's correct. Let's keep momentum <laughs> for a full 60 first. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Um, Any other final thoughts on where this series is going before I let everybody go enjoy their Saturday afternoons? I hear the birds at Earl's are having fun already without us? Happy little chirping um, birds. It, it doesn't really matter where this series goes to me. I mean, obviously I want the Evs to win. Honestly, I think this is mission accomplished for the Avs. They made the playoffs. They took a step forward as a team. And I think they showed not only are they a better team than last year, but that they're going to continue improving regardless of the results here. It, it's certainly all gravy at this point, for sure. Like, this should just be pure fun. And I know it's going to be frustrating and aggravating and and things are going to happen, and we're all in the moment. It, there's going to be a lot of feelings, but certainly when we look back at this season, 
it's going to be a success. It's going to be an accomplishment. I think what it means as far as the future and the window and where they're at moving forward, I think that's up for discussion moving forward. But certainly a step's been taken. I, I think we can all agree on that. It's just the big picture is pretty big. My my thing with this season is the fact that the, you know the the playoffs have been such a catastrophe for the, the the better teams, you know at least in the regular season. I, I think that there's such an opportunity uh, for a team like Dallas or the Avs or you know look at Carolina, um, you know there, there's a or, or Columbus. I mean there is a big opportunity for some team to come out of nowhere. Um, you know, and actually win the cup. I mean, this this is this is a true why not us? Because I, I feel really, like I mean, other than Boston and San Jose, there's really not any you know of the, the really high zoot teams from the regular season left. I feel like this round two is the big hurdle for everybody. Yeah. I think. Oh, the second round sucks. So it, the, it's definitely the, the hurdle. It's a hurdle for fans round. too. It's it, whoever makes it to the third round. And you know, obviously you'd say you're the final four, you have a good shot at winning the cup. But yeah, I feel like this is going to be the Avs' hardest matchup. If they can get through this series, then I do really like their chances to be able to win the next one or two. Nobody flukes their way to a conference final. <laughs> right. It just feels like... <laughs> Don't ask about hardest. Carolina and the Yachts, okay? Have, haven't this the Ducks the made it there before? <laughs> Don't ask about Ottawa two years ago either. but this is like the hardest matchup left for the Avs and but I agree with what you're saying but yeah if you win two rounds regardless you should be in a good position but when you look at who's left you really feel like boy this would be a great draw you know despite the Avs lack of a, a middle part of the season um you know, they were all still hanging around with with teams like Columbus and Carolina and, and even Dallas to an extent for a lot of the season. I mean, it's like, you know, these are the teams that they were hanging with. I mean, they weren't, you know, they weren't in with the Winnipegs and the Nashvilles and Tampa Bays. And all those guys are gone now. So, you know, it just sort of feels like they're with their peers right now if they can get past San Jose. If they can get past the second round. I mean, I think that's kind of a a good way to put it, is that they're with their peers from this year now, and going forward, everyone is their peers. (laughs) Yeah. Hoping so. It's it's just such a big... There's so much parody, like it... It it feels like such a letdown if you're there at 90 points. Playoffs, and you... Like the teams that just missed, I feel like a, a team like Montreal could have been in this position too. It's just really hard to separate, I think, now who is truly good. And especially when those teams weren't able to make it out of the first round, it, it is encouraging and it's also discouraging because teams are so even. Well, I, I think it just it, it shows how much more important it is playing well in March. And, and, you know, late February and, and, you know, that that's where you really get the your your juice to make it through the playoffs. And it's like, you know, you, you look at teams like Winnipeg and, and Nashville and, and Tampa, it's like Tampa was killing everybody. But, it, you know, it's like they, they were never 
they never got battle tested enough to make it through a series like they did with with Columbus. And I think you can also that see was the their playoff, downfall. The playoff format sets it up. All the teams that were still fighting are the ones that were able to have the momentum in the right. playoffs, and all the ones that basically had their matchups set for weeks or even longer, they were the ones that didn't have the right mentality to start the playoffs. But it's not I just mean, like a one-year thing. I, I, I think most teams had the right mentality to start the playoffs, but you play the games to find out the results. And yeah, But all the top teams the lost, have a cup-winning attitude. The Isles didn't lose. Well, we can debate on how Sharks didn't really lose. Are. They're they the better did. seed, so... Yeah, but there was, like, the one. But you had, like, the bot... Okay, even though Tampa was so far ahead, they had nothing to play for. You even had the Boston-Toronto matchup that was known for seriously, like, at least six weeks. <laughs> that there was nothing... Toronto in- still couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> And they'll change the playoff format just for them because they need something to play for. No, they Way won't. The they stretch. love the Boston-Toronto series. They want that every <laughs> year. Every single year. I take a Boston-Montreal over that, but seriously, that's just me. That'd be way more fun. But, yeah, anyway, I guess I kind of got us off topic here. But, yeah, I am looking forward to the rest of this series. I'm just going to enjoy it as much as possible. I think yeah, I think that's the message. I think we should, even though it's going to be frustrating, people are gonna be upset. There's gonna be things to be upset about, but we really should just try to soak it in as much as possible. And I, I mean there's and I so much to enjoy too. about all this. I can't see not enjoying it. I, well, I, in the moment it does get a little especially if they get a series lead, then it's like can't lose this. Then then, then it gets really stressful. I or, guess this or is a second period helps. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I really hope the Avs take a lot out of this because getting through the first round is like it, it feels like you've you've accomplished a huge thing and you have, but then it's you joined the second round. It's like, oh, well, it we, also depends. We've gone nowhere. We have to do this again. How it influences their decisions, which that that's going to be a topic definitely for down the road. But there's certainly a right way and a wrong way to take success yeah well we'll definitely get to that in a, in a podcast in the month of may um but what what i really hope to take away is that you know it, it changes the attitude about the first round as you know so you've got to get through this as opposed to you know this is the goal is to win in the first round it's not it's that that's step one now you're just like okay now i'm in another series that still gets me really like, nowhere really no, well, sure, yeah. <laughs> goals should always be the same. Yeah, you're you're trying to win four rounds. So you you, you get out of out of you know the second round. Now you're saying, hey, if I win this series, I'm on the cup final. Mission sixteen W, baby. That, that's a little different from if you know if I win this series, I'm in another series to get a chance to play another series. You know, like it, the the start, the goal starts to materialize a little bit better once you get to the conference final. Root for Dallas. Oh. Seriously, though, root for Dallas. Shout out to ICTF's fan. Yeah, the, the the Blues would probably sweep the Avs, but I cannot root for Dallas. I can't do it. Just do it. I can't. Watching an Avs Blues series is just that, that's like a punishment for getting that far. Root for the media. Let's not jinx ourselves, but just saying. Ugh. Ugh. Down with St. Louis. Ugh. You should have re- reason to say that no matter what. 
They can't both lose, though. Last, last yeah, question for everyone, and this is kind of a yes or no question. Our next show will be after game five. Will the series still be going at that point? I say yes. I I'll be optimistic so. and say yes, too. My take uh, last week was that it would be decided in five, and I wasn't real sure one way or the other. Um, I'm a little less positive on that now, just, just sort of how even the first game was, but I, you know, I, I think it's 50, 50. Yes or no. I'll spend 30 seconds giving you neither. <laughs> Have you considered running for office Earl? No, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm saying I, I don't feel any worse about it being decided in, in you, five you games pick, than though. I did you have to pick, beforehand. Though. Yeah. I'm, I'll stick with five games. So no. Okay. I'm saying yes. Uh, I think the Avs' big horses are good enough to get him one game, and I think Gruby will hang on and get him one game. Or the opposite, Martin Jones will deliver them a game. Always a possibility. I would like, the next time we talk, for Martin Jones to have delivered them four games. But, re regardless of whether that happens or not, you can... He's just the man to do it, too. He, he is, but you know where you can find out? It's right here. Uh, at soundcloud.com slash burgundyradio or on iTunes where you can search for Burgundy Radio if you haven't done that before and subscribe to make it automatically show up with the rest of your, you know, music-y, podcast -y things. Or you can do the same thing on whatever other podcast-catching feed device you prefer. We post every episode on burgundyrainbow.com and uh, that's the most reliable place to know that it'll always definitely be there because I post those manually and you're not... You know, you don't run the risk of me accidentally forgetting to give download permission in SoundCloud. Not that I would ever do a thing like that. Millions of games this week. Lots of opportunities for the Avs to, you know, take off and win some of them. We'll see you on Sunday. I have St. Louis in the final, and that's my only team left past this round. And it's a pretty that cursed be, that pick, too. You, Yeah, but that could get you a lot of points, because I'm not sure too many people are thinking that way. Who is TV return champ? Do we know? What is it? TV return champ. I mean, is that different from Tiger Vixen? I mean, it is TV. I, I'm assuming, did TV win it last year? Because usually she would go by Tiger Vixen or TV, not TV Return Champ. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, that person... That's not her style. <laughs> the, ...the horrible crown of being terrible. They got 13 points, and they cannot possibly get any more. Pretty good. I just, I just died. You, you guys didn't notice. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure it's awful. <laughs> but you're we're saying the bracket name. We we're trying yeah, to Yeah, we we're it trying out. to guess your name. <laughs> Mine? Yeah. Yeah. It should be pretty obvious. Were you the champ you then? Yes. <laughs> okay. So yeah, you have you're going to have the worst bracket. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> it's like have it's like winning last year you get immunity. So, yeah. this is, like, just total, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs>
think I would have literally done better this year if I just rolled a d20 and gone with it. No doubt. If it, I think Yeti said that he used a random number generator. <laughs> That's a grid word. A random number generator for all his picks. So he, <laughs> he literally prayed to RNG Jesus for his picks. That's awesome. <laughs> Both of Dangle's dogs outpicked him, so. 